The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Stocking the Box. I am Matt Verderam flying solo this weekend. It is Sunday night, and the Bears and the Eagles just concluded an epic at Soldier Field. I was there in the press box, and let me tell you, it was one of the most amazing games I have covered in person. What a finish. If you're a Bears fan, you probably want to throw yourself off the upper deck of the stadium. If you're an Eagles fan, you believe in Nick Foles' magic, and that is absolutely the lead of my Stack in the Box column that runs Monday at 6 a.m. on fansided.com. So check that out. But let's take a 30,000-foot view of the Wild Card Weekend, okay? And then we'll dive into all the divisional round matchups, as always. Unfortunately, you are stuck with just me breaking those down. Mr. Hill, uh, not around to get that done, but that's okay. We'll get into all of it. Look, the Wild Card Weekend was billed as four games that should be fairly evenly matched, four games that involved teams that were all capable of winning multiple games in the playoffs. You know, maybe the NFC teams less so than the AFC teams just because the AFC is more wide open, but still no tomato cans this year in the playoffs. At least that was the, the expectation going in. And I think, look, obviously four teams lost, but I would say that three acquitted themselves very well. Chicago, 12-4, division champs, absolutely atrocious way to end your season. I mean, nothing is more painful than a double-doink missed field goal uh, after you already hit said field goal, but it was, of course, uh, called back on the timeout by Doug Peterson. But the Bears have a great future. I thought Mitchell Trubisky, look, I have been hard on Trubisky, and I thought he was terrible the first three quarters. Watching the game live, you could see how late he was on some of his throws, even a lot of his completions. You could see how he missed some some open reads. But in the fourth quarter, Trubisky was terrific. When the Bears needed him most, he made big plays. And I think that's something they can carry into the offseason. I was in the locker room after the game, and nobody was hanging their head. It was quiet, and it was was definitely a, a down room. But it wasn't a room that felt funereal. It was a room that felt like let one get away. But that they believe they're going to be back next year, and I believe they will be too, because that defense is great. Most of that team's under contract. And I think Trubisky's only going to get better. And I think Matt Nagy's head coach is only going to get better, and he's already doing a heck of a job. 
So I thought Chicago, even in a loss, quit itself well. I thought Seattle, we could sit here and parse the play coin to death. Brian Schottenheimer couldn't have been more conservative. And I, I hate that. When, like, I know they're a running team. Okay, They run the ball percentage-wise more than anybody else in football. I understand that that's who Seattle is. If you look at the play calling, look, they ran 24 times and threw 27 times. Excuse that. Uh, but you have Russell Wilson. You have to throw the ball. At some point, at some juncture, you have to just say, look, we're going to air it out a little bit. They hit two huge plays down the field to Tyler Lockett, to Doug Baldwin, and they never really went back to that. They, they were content. But I, I thought Seattle, in a year that everybody thought Seattle was going to be in a complete rebuild, maybe a five or six win team, to go 10 and six, to go to Dallas, to play a good solid football game, even with the play calling issues. Look, I, I think Seattle's got to be really proud of the way the season went and okay with the way the season ended. There's no shame in losing that game to Dallas. Thought it was a coin flip, and it pretty much played out that way. On the AFC side of things, Baltimore's kind of a weird team to give a quote unquote final grade to, and here's why. The Ravens were expected to be a team that could compete for a playoff spot, and that's about what they were. And then they ended up winning the division in large part. Yes, they played very well on the stretch, winning six to seven. But also, let's face it, Pittsburgh choked like dogs, okay, and opened the door for that to happen. The Ravens were not competitive in that playoff game for much of the game. Then in the fourth quarter, all of a sudden they show up. But Lamar Jackson did not look good throwing the football. They looked better in the fourth. But I think that, that's got to be the concern if you're Baltimore. I think on one hand, you feel good because you've got to. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. Really good defense. Jackson's a young kid. Should get better. They got to do something with that offense. Your, your team can't be led in receiving by, by Kenneth Dixon. And Willie Sneed the fourth. You're not you're not winning big games with that. You're not winning big games with Lamar Jackson for a lot of that game, having five, six completions, being sacked seven times. I mean, he had a QBR, and if you're not familiar with QBR, and I, I don't think the stat is perfect by any means, but it's it's ESPN's take on quarterback ranking or quarterback rating rather. And so their stat runs one through hundred, the average being fifty. Lamar Jackson was a nine point five. You're not going to win games playing like that. But I do think Baltimore has to walk away feeling at least hopeful about the future. Now, one thing that does really impact all that, Fansided has learned that John Harbaugh is going to get an extension offer from the Ravens. We don't know for how many years or how much money yet. Right now, he's got one year left on his deal for $8 million. If that offer that he gets isn't what he wants, the Ravens then are going to look to trade him. The Dolphins are very interested. The Broncos are interested. The Dolphins I would characterize right now from from fan-sided sources as being the leader in the clubhouse. But the Dolphins have their own issues, and I wrote about this piece ago up on Monday. Uh, Miami owner Stephen Ross, he for the lack of a better term, worries some people as to how much of a football man he is. He's hired three head coaches since he's been the owner, 2008 to now, and none of them have ever had previous head coaching experience. 
they have had a hard time pulling in head coaches with some real chops. And they tried to get Jim Harbaugh, okay, Michigan man, Ross is a Michigan man, and it didn't happen. He went to San Francisco. So just something to keep in mind. If Harbaugh leaves, if he gets traded, now they'll get something back for him, maybe even go somewhere at Flacco as a package deal. Who knows? I would think that to be the case. I think Flacco just gets released, and that's the end of it. Uh, Baltimore, kind of a murky future, but I do think a, a fairly bright one, especially if Harbaugh stays, who I think is a top five or six coach in the league. Now, Houston. Houston has no excuse for the way that game was played. To almost be shut out by the Colts. Who, listen, the Colts are a very good team. The Colts are better than that 10-6 and six record indicates. Okay, they've won 9 of 10. But the Colts, how many, if you lined up the starting 11 players on the Colts and asked a, a knowledgeable fan to, to name the 11 players, you could probably get four, Darius Leonard, Malik Hooker, Marcus Hunt, you know, Danico Autry, but you're not, you're not getting too far down that list, right? Like, there, there's a reason for that. I don't think that you can be a Texans fan and feel good about what you watched. Forget the ill lost the games, how you lost. It was completely non-competitive. You're down 7 nothing before you even get the ball. It was 21 nothing midway through the second quarter. The, the offense didn't score until late in the fourth quarter. And here's the problem. I, I like Deshaun Watson. I think Deshaun Watson's a good quarterback. They're not doing anything to help the man. Absolutely doing nothing to help him. Their offensive line has given up or gave up 62 sacks on the year, gave up three more in the playoffs. Okay? They have DeAndre Hopkins, who is all world, might, in my opinion, be the best receiver in football. Who is the number two guy? Demarius Thomas is traded for. He was okay. He's on the back end of his career. It's not tenable. They, they need to go out and get another guy. Kiki Kati is not the guy. I'm, I'm telling you now, Kiki Kati is, is not going to be pulling coverage away from DeAndre Hopkins. But the biggest problem that Houston has is their coach. Okay? The Colts played that entire game in a very static defense. They play a ton of zone. They rarely ever blitz. I believe, if memory serves correct, they are the team that blitzes the least percentage-wise of any team in the NFL. The Texans have played them twice. They probably scout the Colts more than any other team in the league, considering that they're in the division and they're the best team in the division alongside Houston. Bill O'Brien had to have known they're going to be dropping seven, a lot of cover two, a lot of zone. To have nothing ready for that was just mind-blowing. The Texans looked like they had never seen the Colts before. And so I think of all the teams that walk away going home from Wild Card Weekend, the Texans and their families have to be the ones saying, we have real problems. We got a great quarterback, great young quarterback, at least the potential to be great, but our coach is a disaster. And in the NFL, if you don't have a good head coach, you're screwed. I don't care what talent's on the field. I don't care what your draft class and your free agent class looks like. If Bill O'Brien coaches the way he coaches that team, they're not going anywhere. So, spinning it forward, let's talk about the teams that did win and their divisional round matchups, okay? And we'll go like we always do, just in chronological order. So, the Colts are at Kansas City, 4.30 Eastern time on NBC, Saturday afternoon. 
if Andrew Luck can't carve up the Chiefs defense, I will be shocked. The same, however, holds true that I think Patrick Mahomes is going to carve up the Colts defense. I don't see any reason why I won't. Now, I should mention the line, five and a half. Chiefs are favored by five and a half points. The Vegas saying, look, if the game was in Indy, it'd be about a pick em. But being in Kansas City, Chiefs favored by a little less than a touchdown. This is a game that's pretty easy to break down. The Chiefs are very predictable defensively, and so are the Colts. Okay, the Chiefs will play a ton of man. They rarely blitz. They're in the bottom five in blitz percentage. The Chiefs don't have to blitz because they lead the league in sacks. 52. They were tied with Pittsburgh. Okay. The Colts have a defense that plays more zone than just about anybody. They're not exotic. They don't do a ton of twists and stunts and blitzes. It's a four-man rush. And they rely on being fast and being quick to the ball and being able to execute really, really well. And it's worked out for them. The defense has been good. Okay, they're middle of the pack in sacks, 38. The Colts have been more than the sum of their parts defensively. Here's a scouting report on, on that game, though, for both teams. The Chiefs don't have the corners to contain Andrew Luck. Now, the Colts only have T.Y. Hilton as far as receivers who would scare you. I mean, nobody else is even 500 yards receiving. Eric Ebron has over 700 at tight end. He has 13 touchdowns. If Eric Berry plays, I expect Ebron to see a lot of Berry. If he doesn't play, then it becomes more interesting. You'll probably see a lot of different matchups throughout the day. The Chiefs will probably play Hitchens on him at times, probably see Dan Sorensen on him at times. Smart money would say the Chiefs will do whatever they can to take Hilton out of the game. They'll roll coverage over him. They'll do whatever they have to do. But that's smart money. Bob Sutton doesn't live in the world where smart money exists. I don't expect the Chiefs to do a ton of that because they never do a ton of that. They'll play it very straight up. They'll play a lot of cover two man under. And Andrew Luck's going to know that they're going to play a lot of cover two man under. And I would expect that Hilton gets his. Of course, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I don't think it's really all that relevant. These teams started in 2013. It was the famous game where, where the Colts came back from 38. Uh, to 10. Hilton in that game had 13 catches for 224 yards and two touchdowns. Okay, nobody else had 55 yards receiving. That team had LeVon Brazil and Derek Rogers and Colby Fleener and Griff Whalen and Donald Brown and Trent Richardson around Andrew Locke. And Bob Sutton, with a better defense, could not figure out how to stop Andrew Locke's second half that game. Now, they had some injuries, Brandon Flowers now, but the point is, the point is, Andrew Luck is going to get his because the Chiefs cannot scheme at all defensively. They're extremely simplistic. If the Chiefs are going to stop the Colts, I guarantee you it will be because their front four can get pressure. And that is not going to be easy because the Colts are one of the best offensive lines in football. They're going to have 18 sacks all year. But the Chiefs, as I mentioned, 52 sacks on the season. They have guys that can get home in a big way. Okay? In a real big way. Chris Jones, second-team All-Pro this year, somehow didn't make the Pro Bowl, 15 and a half sacks. D. Ford, 13 sacks. Justin Houston played in 12 games, 9 sacks. Even Alan Bailey, a guy who nobody talks about, 6 sacks. The Chiefs get home without blitzing. If the Chiefs can get pressure on Luck, they will win the game.
When the Chiefs have the ball, it's a very bad matchup for Indianapolis. They are the worst team in the league by any metric against tight ends. The Chiefs have a tight end, Travis Kelsey, who has 103 catches for 1,336 yards and 10 touchdowns. They don't have a corner that can deal with Hill, which is okay to an extent because they play a ton of zone. But they're going to have to find a way to slow down Tyreek Hill. 87 catches, 1,479 yards, 12 touchdowns on the year. They're going to have to find a way to mitigate that. I don't think they do. They're going to have to get home. They're going to have to get to Mahomes. They don't blitz a lot. The Chiefs have a good offensive line in their own right. Okay, Everybody talks about Luck was only sacked 18 times. Mahomes only sacked 26 times, which is more, significantly a half, half a sack more per game. But the, the Chiefs are also good up front. Could have Laurent Duvernay-Tardif back at right guard. The bottom line, the Chiefs are the better team. The Colts are the hotter team. Both have terrific quarterbacks. Mahomes has been better than Luck. One thing to keep in mind, here's a few stats to pull out. Mahomes was second this year in yards per attempt, 8.79. Okay, the only guy who had more was Ryan Fitzpatrick, who did qualify. Andrew Luck was 23rd in yards per attempt at 7.19. Luck had 15 picks, Mahomes had 12. Okay, Chiefs are plus 8 in the turnover battle, Colts are plus 2. Just some stats to throw you. The point is, Luck has been phenomenal this year, but Mahomes has been the best quarterback in the league. So Chiefs, for the first time in a long time, had the advantage there. That all said, I am taking the Colts in this game. The Chiefs have a well-earned reputation of just finding ways to lose. Last year, they had the better quarterback, up 21-3, found a way to give up 19 straight unanswered points to the Titans at home in the second half. A couple years ago, they were the two-seed hosted Pittsburgh, gave up 171 rushing yards to Le'Veon Bell, but didn't allow a touchdown and scored two of their own and somehow lost the game. This is the first year they have Mahomes. It could be a lot different. They're at home. They're the number one seed for a reason. And make no mistake, Kansas City is the more talented team. But that bear on their back, the anxiety that is going to be felt by 80,000 people at that stadium, it matters. It's palpable. And until the Chiefs finally shake loose of their shackles, I am not going to pick them in a playoff game. They've given me absolutely no reason not to. I've watched the team for 30 years, or 25 years of my life, and they just construct ways to lose football games in January. So I'm going to take the Colts to win, to cover, and we'll see how it plays out. But look, I think I think that is going to be a wildly entertaining game, no matter who ends up winning. Uh, and like I said, look, I think the Chiefs are the better team. If both teams play their best, I think Kansas City wins. But I think Kansas City will find a way to lose. They're the most penalized team in the NFL. Uh, they they are not playing great down the stretch. Their defense has been a sieve. And I've had a lot of Chief fans say to me, "Well, they're better at home." Well, they should be better at home. They've played quarterbacks who have stunk at home. And the only good quarterback they played at home all year was Philip Rivers, and they lost to him. Just saying. The Saturday night game, the Rams at home against the Cowboys, and let me tell you this, I think that the Rams dodged an enormous bullet with the Bears losing to Philadelphia. Because if the Bears had won, I would have picked them to beat the Rams. The Rams do not deal well with very physical teams. And the Bears come in with a swagger to match that physicality. 
But doesn't matter. Kick hits two, well, an upright and a crossbar and doesn't go in. So now the Rams are going to play the Cowboys, who obviously beat Seattle. Look, the Rams are a weird team, okay? The first half of the year, everybody and their mother had them rolling to a Super Bowl title. There were people saying they're going to go undefeated. This is the best team in the league by a wide margin. Well, now they're 13-3. It's a great season, but not quite rolling to a Super Bowl victory. Here are the concerns I have with the Rams. Goff has been sacked 33 times, okay? And he has not played well down the stretch. Now, his numbers overall are still very nice. He completed 65% of his throws, just under 4,700 yards, 32 touchdowns, 12 picks. Todd Gurley, that knee is still bothering him. That's a major concern, but he'll be good to go. He'll play in the game. Obviously, he's had a great year, even with all the injuries at the end of the year. 21 touchdowns, 1,251 yards rushing. But you wonder with the Rams, Gurley's kind of banged up. Cup, of course, out for the year. They've got Woods. They've got Cooks. Goff hasn't played as well. And the Rams are a very easy team in some respects to game plan for because they never come out of 11 personnel, which is three wide receivers, a tight end, and a back. Okay? They never come out of it. So if you're playing them, you don't have to prepare for any other formation or personnel group, I should say. You don't have to prepare for anything. You know what it's going to be. Like, the Rams legitimately never change up the group. So the Cowboys are going to be able throughout the week and, and, and the week ahead to just say, okay, look, we're going to just get ready for 11 the whole game. Now, that said, I think the Rams are the better team. And I think the Rams will find a way to win because, frankly, I don't trust that Prescott can do enough. I think with Tlaib and, and Peters both healthy, I know Peters has been bad this year. But he plays big in big moments. I think he'll play well in this game. To leave the same thing. I think it'll be hard for the Cowboys to get yards in the air. And I think Wade Phillips is a great defensive coordinator. and He's going to know that. And he's going to clamp down on the run. Look, I don't think it's a blowout. I think Dallas's defense will cause some major problems for the Rams. I think Dallas's defense is going to hold them under 30. I see this being a 27-24 type of game. You know, and, and that would cover because the Rams are favored by a touchdown. Again, they're favored by seven points. I don't like the Rams the way they've played down the stretch. Sometimes it's about the way you're going late. Losers of, of two of their last four. And they lost ugly at Chicago. They got beat up by Philly. They bounced back and they crushed Arizona and San Francisco, but who cares? You should crush Arizona and San Francisco. They, they have not been sharp. They really haven't. And they haven't been real sharp since about week seven. So I think they'll win because I just don't think Dallas quite has the personnel to match the Rams. But I, I do think it's not outlandish to feel like, hey, this game could be a game, fourth quarter. Dallas is going to be there. And... You know, if, if you look at the Cowboys, now look, there's been a different team with Amari Cooper, okay, 8-2 and two if you count the, the playoff game. They have been able to get the ball down the field. I just think in this game, it's going to be tough with Tlaib. It's going to be tough with Peters. They don't have another guy to go to. All right, their receiving core is just it's not going to scare anybody. Cole Beasley, Michael Gallup, Blake Jarwin, I mean, it's a bunch of guys. If you can stop, if you can slow down Zeke, you're going to win the game. And I, I think the Rams, Wade Phillips, is going to find a way to do that. 
So, moving on, Sunday early afternoon game going back to the AFC, and it is New England favored by four and a half over the Chargers. I am going to say this from the jump. The Chargers are a better team than the Pats. Unequivocally, and frankly, in my opinion, not even that big of an argument. People in Foxborough wouldn't like to hear that. I think it's just the truth. I don't know how it's even really all that much of a debate. The Chargers went 12-4 this year. The Chargers, if not for playing in a very good division with the Chiefs, they're, they're a number one or number two seed. New England benefits greatly every year from playing in an absolute dumpster fire of a division. The Jets are barely a franchise. The Bills stink. And the Dolphins are just awful year in and year out. The Pats basically start every season 5-1 or 6-0. Now, the Pats are 8-0 at home. Got some real quality wins at home this year. The Chargers, however, 8-1 on the road. And the only loss they had, ironically, was in Los Angeles to the Rams week three. Well, something's got to give, right? Now, I think the Chargers are the better team. I think the Chargers on a neutral field with the same amount of time off before the game, I think the Chargers would win by double digits. But it's not on a neutral field. And it's not with the same amount of time off. I give the Chargers a lot of credit this year. They've been road warriors, and kudos to them. I picked the Ravens because I thought it was a bad match. I thought the Ravens would get to Rivers. They'd hold them down, and frankly, they did. But the Chargers had a great game plan defensively. They played seven defensive backs for every snap but one against the Ravens. And you think against a running team, that's kind of recipe for disaster because they don't have enough big guys on the field. Well, they were able to just stuff out every option that Baltimore ran. It was brilliant. And I give Anthony Lynn and Gus Bradley a ton of credit. Well done. But now you play a team that's not one-dimensional. And you play a team that knows how to win these games. But more importantly for me, look, the Chargers, there's a third road game in a row. Okay? They went to Denver. They won week 17. Not a big deal. Short flight. To come all the way to Baltimore. They win. Now they're going all the way back. Now they get a week of practice. Got to come all the way back into New England and play early again in that 10.05 Pacific time time slot. Now, they've won their last five games in that time slot. So I'm not saying they can't do it. I think the Chargers, again, I really do think they're the better team. As I said much about the Chiefs and the Colts. But there's extenuating circumstances. New England is very good at home. New England is also very good historically off the bye. That team, like right now, the Pats are going to be as healthy as they're ever going to be. Gronkowski is going to be as fresh as he's ever going to be. I think it's just a bad week to catch the Pats. If they caught them in the AFC title game, I'd pick the Chargers. And I am very torn. I really want to pick them. I'm not going to lie about it. I really do. But I just think the Pats at home, fresh off a bye, the Chargers haven't come all the way across the country again. Like That little stuff adds up to be a big problem at some point. So I'm going to take New England in the game. I think it's a slugfest. I think New England wins late. But I, I am going to take New England. But I will tell you, I think like the Chiefs-Colts game, I'm picking the better team to lose, and I don't feel confident in that. I don't feel comfortable in that. Moving into the last game of the weekend, 
biggest spread, the Saints minus nine against the Eagles. Of course, look. The Saints coming off the bye. They are the number one seed. They are my pick to win the Super Bowl. I think the Saints are the best team. I am a little concerned their offense has not been great the last month, but the defense has stepped up. I think the Saints in the Superdome are almost impossible to beat. I trust Drew Brees to the 19th. I trust Sean Payton. I think they're the best team. So obviously I am picking them to win the game. But I will tell you right now, Philadelphia is not afraid to play the Saints. They lost 48-7 to to them less than two months ago. Ben, the Eagles are a different team. Like I said earlier tonight, I was at Soldier Field. Talked to some of the Eagles after the game. Talked to Jason Kelsey. Talked to Jason Peters. Was around some of the guys. Was around Jeffrey and Laurie, the owner. Okay, that is a confident, confident group. That is a group that absolutely is expecting to go to New Orleans and win. And I don't want to... Make it more than it was. Nobody was talking smack. Nobody was making declarations. There's none of that. But it was just a very obviously confident group. The Eagles are going to give them a game. I think the Saints will win. And I think the Saints will pull away in the end. I think in some ways that game against Chicago was was the, the defending champion holding on one more moment. But I, I, and I do think this is the biggest mismatch of the weekend, i got to be honest. But I think, I think Philadelphia is going to fight. They're going to put up an effort, and it's not going to be 48-7. I'll tell you that much right now. The Saints are just too much at home. Uh, and, and look, the, the, the problem for the, for the Eagles is the secondary is just not going to hold up against Breeze. It, it's just it's going to be... A struggle to stop him. It was a struggle for them to stop Trubisky in the fourth quarter. You're not going to stop Drew Brees for four quarters with that offense and that building. It's just a huge ask. So, for me, my AFC title game is Pat's Colts. Be a rematch of the the Deflategate game. I'm sure nobody will ever bring that up that happens. I think it's chalk in the NFC. Okay, I think the Saints and the and the Rams meet. And I and I like I said, look, I'm I'm pretty confident in my NFC picks. I think the Saints and the Rams are the two best teams. I think they're both gonna win and they're both gonna get there. The Saints more so than the Rams, but I, I'm confident in the Rams. I very, very rarely go against who I think is the better team even if they're on the road, in the, in a, especially in a playoff game. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code radio. Terms and conditions apply. Really, in any pick, but for the reasons I laid out, for circumstances for the Chargers, and with the Chiefs, it's just like, you just got to prove it to me. You got to win a game. The Chiefs just never win when it matters. And for everybody, it's just, well, that's history. That's history. Well, they, they lost to the Chargers less than a month ago when everything was on the line 
They blew that game at home. Found a ridiculous way to lose. The following week, could have sewed up everything. Went to Seattle. Gave up 38 points. Took a gazillion penalties in both those games. We just found ways to lose. So, and everybody says, well, Mahomes. Well, Mahomes is great. Mahomes is, I don't have a vote. If I did, he'd be the MVP of the league unanimously. All right, but come on. Mahomes was there for the Chargers game, too. The Seahawks game, too. Look, again, I'm not... The the Chiefs are better. The Chiefs should win the game. But it doesn't mean that they're going to. And until they prove me wrong, until they prove, frankly, themselves to be different than what they've been for 25 years running in big moments, I can't pick them. I just cannot pick them. I will tell you this, though. If they beat the Colts, I think they will go to the Super Bowl. Regardless of who they play in the AFC title game. Because I think that monkey on the back is a real thing. And I think if they win this game, they're not to be beat in the AFC Championship. I think that would be a Herculean task. As good as the Chargers are, as great as New England has been, I think that would be a very, very hard task for one of those teams to go in there and, and handle that game. For now, I'm picking that not to matter because I'm picking the Colts, who are red hot, who if, if I didn't vote for Mahomes, I would vote for Locke. They have a very good young head coach. I, I think the Colts are for real. I think they're going to be very tough to beat. I also think that will be the best game of the weekend. I think it will be a lot of fun to watch. Unless you're a Chiefs or a Colts fan, then I think it will be both fun but pure torture for three-plus hours. So, with all that being said, this episode is a little bit shorter than normal. Of course, Josh Hill not here. Uh, so I am not going to sit here and talk for an hour. God knows I could. If you know me, I could go for five. But I feel like... I feel like 32 minutes is probably all you need of me. Before I go, I've got to thank our great sponsors over and great partners over at Fanatics. You go to fansite.fanatics.com. You can get all your gear. Save 20% by putting in the fan-sided code. It's fan-sided. They have everything. Jerseys, hats, scarves, gloves, socks, memorabilia, anything. Anything and everything that you need as a fan, Fanatics is covered. Okay, check them out. Do yourself a favor. I want to thank all the listeners, as always. Can't say too much how, how much we appreciate you guys. Uh, whether you're a new listener or a listener every week, thank you so much. Uh, please go and, and you know subscribe if you haven't already. Give us a rating. Please give us a comment. Your ratings and comments mean a lot. It will really help to continue to push the podcast out there. And now, huge announcement, legitimately. Uh, We have a new Stacking the Box podcast handle on Twitter, at Stacking the Box. Uh, Go out and follow it, please. It kind of came about in, well, now it's a funny way. On New Year's Day, I get a notification from Twitter that my personal account, at Matt Verdran, was hacked. I can't get into it. And Twitter at first was fairly useless. So I'm kind of scrambling and saying, well, the playoffs are coming up. I have to have a Twitter handle. So I made a new one. NFL at NFL Verteram. So what the hell? I'll, I'll do this. Outpouring of support was tremendous. 
garnered 1,500 followers within a day. And luckily, the following morning, Twitter got back to me. They helped me out, got back into my old account, secured it, good to go from there. But the other account is going to deactivate. And I said, well, what the heck? I already have 1,500 followers on it. Why not turn into a Stack in the Box podcast handle? It was something that we talked about we were going to do anyway in the new year. So it just made all the sense in the world. So please, if you like the podcast, if you want to interact with us, we will tweet back and forth with you all day long. We're in our office. you got nothing else to do. Believe me. So at Stacking the Box, find it, follow it, interact with it. And I hope to see you on that feed. So, if your team is still in the playoffs, I wish you the best of luck going into Divisional Weekend, which I think is the best weekend in the NFL schedule. Best eight teams. There's no weak sisters. Just awesome football. If your team's not in the playoffs... Free agency is like two months away. You'll be all right. You get there. Okay? In the meantime, follow Fansided for all of your needs. And I will be back next week with Josh Hill to discuss how the divisional round went and to preview the AFC and NFC championship games. Until then, I am Matt Verderam. Enjoy your week, and we will talk to you again very soon. Progressive Snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were yelling at another car while driving, let me say it again. You need to calm down. Yelling is just making everyone as stressed out as you are and letting them all know that you definitely aren't trying to save with Progressive Snapshot. And if you did hear it the first time because you weren't yelling at another car, nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.